But we're going to have communion today. And it couldn't be a better place in Scripture. This place in Scripture, uh, Peter has affected my life. I want you to know now I'm all in. Now I can't wait to see Peter as well as Paul. I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I don't know how I'm going to fit them all in. I only have an eternity to see them all. But I'm really excited about what he teaches and how he teaches. And he is such a man that you can sense, uh, maybe, maybe I'm reading into it, and more than likely that's true. But, but, but I, I sensed his leadership qualities. I sensed that, that he is the person that God had called upon to really be a leader of all the twelve and to, to, to kind of chart the path of where they're going. And, and it's interesting how, as you well know, we've said this now already a few times, that he wasn't a man of perfection just like none of us are. He, he disappointed the Lord, uh, I, would, I would guess. Well, I would guess he depo- disappointed himself uh, immeasurably when he denied the Lord three times there at the trial, when Jesus Christ was on trial. And, um, and, yet, and yet God still used him. And uh, I can only think of myself, or I can think of Mark, or I can think of all the wonderful people. Like, for instance, I don't know if you know Sarah Huddle, but... This morning I got here and Sarah was setting all the tables up in the cafe for breakfast. And then when she was through with that, I was upstairs getting ready to, to do the message. And I, I, I looked down the hall and there she was dealing with the kids. And, and that's what ministry is really all about. Ministry is really about just serving others. And, and just because, uh, like for instance, Sarah does that and that, doesn't mean that you have to do that and that. doesn't even mean you have to do anything. It means you have to do what God has called you to do and do it comfortably and do it for Him. And that, that's the magic of our faith. That's the magic of church. It's the magic of all that we do. I know that Billy could play music probably for anyone anywhere the way he can play the piano. In fact, they were going back there. They were saying, like, you're Billy Joel, man. You were making that, that thing. And, and it, it was so... It, I could have listened to more and more. And yet he, I know him, I've now had the privilege of having coffee with him a few times, and I don't drink that much coffee, but I, I do it under the, under the disguise of just hanging out with him for a little bit. And I know his heart. By now I'm getting to know his heart. He does it purely to, to honor the Lord. And so that's what we're all about. And that's where Peter is. It's an interesting introduction. I didn't mean to go this direction. But Peter, in First in Peter chapter 2, would you please turn with me in your Bibles? I want to say this up front. If you're visiting with us today, thank you. It's hard to put into words what it means if you take the time to come and visit our church. It's very kind of you. And if you're here and you've you've really not really understood maybe all of what it means to accept Christ, if if you've not really wrestled through all of that yet, we want want you to listen with all of your heart. Listen, Listen to what the Lord says to you. Not what I might say, but listen to what Peter says and, and what the Bible has to say about this whole thing called salvation. Peter, right now, as you remember last week, and, and I judge that most of you are here week in and week out. Uh, I don't do a checklist, but I'm hoping that you come often. Um, Peter told us the difference between unbelievers and believers. And he said in verse 8, if you recall, to this doom they were appointed, those who refused to trust in Christ. This doom was a separation of God for eternity. Um, God calls it many different things. He calls it a second death. We call it hell. It's a, it's a place of torment forever. And he gives that place, he gives the whole idea of that place 
to those who decide to, to deny him. And, and, and he's, he's, that place that he has created was not created for mankind. He didn't want for any of us to perish. He didn't want for one of us to say no to him. He wanted all of us to come to repentance, all of us to come to salvation. And yet some say no. And for that, he has, he has created a place for Satan and the fallen angels, a place called the second death, a place called the lake of torment and fire, a place called hell. And for those who choose not to follow after his plan, he will allow them to go to that place. That place was not appointed for you or for me. It was appointed for Satan and for his fallen angels. And so what I want to try to do is teach what Peter is teaching us here. And that is the difference between where he calls that you and I are chosen. I want us to understand that word without any um, misunderstanding because there is some disagreement about what is, what is said over this. It's not a disagreement among the wonderful men that I study under uh, through, the, through commentaries. It's not a disagreement with uh, MacArthur. It's not a disagreement with McGee or, or, or uh, Alistair Beggs or, or uh, Dr. Utley, who I study under uh, through their commentaries. I don't, I'm not there personally. I just read and I follow their teaching as I try to study through First Peter. But I want to teach you what is being taught so that you and I have an understanding of what is being said in the community in this whole Christendom in which we live. And some of it I'm going to, I'm going to bring up things that you haven't even thought of, and maybe that's okay. I don't want to ruffle anything. I just want you to know what you believe in. And I believe that's what the Scriptures are all about. If you recall last week, let's just take a look for a second. He said in verse 8, there is this stone of stumbling. There is a rock of offense. That, that stone and that rock is none other than Jesus Christ. And people, it says in verse 8, stumbled over him. I, used, I put in the words over him. Because they are disobedient to the word. And so Peter then writes, and to this doom, that's where I got that word doom, they were also appointed. Now, verse 9 and 10, as we're going to look at today, starts off by saying, but you. And so Peter is going to say, this doesn't, this doesn't belong to you. This, this place of doom, this, this stumbling, this rock of offense, it doesn't belong to you. He says in verse, read with me please, verses 9 and 10, tremendous, tremendous words out of the Word of God. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Those are some of the most penetrating words Last night when I closed the message, I started to weep uncontrollably. I hadn't done that a long time in the pulpit. And I started to weep uncontrollably because I read the, those two verses again. And I was reflected back. I remembered back on, on, on when I first came to Christ. It's been over 40 years. But it is as fresh and it is new today as it was then. And it is as, as much a part of my 
innermost being today as it was then. In fact, I would venture to say it is even more today than it was then. This passion, this love of God, this desire not to disappoint Him, this desire to serve Him. I want to throw that out for you. I want you to consider it. I want you to think through it as we go through these two verses and we we prepare our hearts for communion. As you do that during the service, if the Lord God reminds you of a sin, something that you need to deal with, do it. Ask Him for forgiveness. Cleanse your heart so that when we take communion, we can take it in the purity of our, 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 the forgiveness of sin that our Lord has done for us. And do it in such a way that we remember, remember all that He is to each of us. Now this place in Scripture is going to, I think, going to really uh, minister to you. At least the first two services it did. And I don't see any reason it shouldn't disservice. So let's pray. Let's ask God that I get out of this way of this, this message. It's too, it's too powerful. Lord, I, I pray that you would open up our eyes, our hearts and our minds and our thoughts so that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law, so that we would understand a little bit more about you, more and more and more, each and every day, Father. And I pray that you'd move me aside. This really is too important. It's way too important, Father, for, for any of us to mess around with. We need to understand, what is it that Peter is trying to teach us? And really, it's you. You taught Peter so Peter could teach us. And Father, we just thank you for it. We want to ask your blessings upon this time. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. In case I forget, I want to tell you how much I love you. I want to tell you what you mean to me. This is the greatest privilege I've ever had to preach the Word of God. You know, when I was just praying, I was just mentioning how Peter passes this along. You know, we don't have the responsibility, we don't have the authority to change what has been written in here. The words that, that come from any preacher ought to be the, the words that Peter preached some 2,000 years ago. These ought to be the words that he preached to the people, and these words should never change. The purpose of, of what you and I should learn should never change out of this. It, shouldn't have my, it, couldn't, it should not come to anyone's discretion, especially not me, to try to change some of this so that it fits into today, to fit into what we are living like today. No, it... It stands on its own. And I, I want you to know that I try with all of my heart to, to just say what Peter said at that time. Because I believe, as you know, God told Peter and, and told him what to write down. Peter did. And I don't have, and you don't have, and no one has a right to change any of that. Uh, that's, that's not on my notes. That's just a thought. Peter now is underscoring. Let's get to the message. He's contrasting the... the the destiny between an unbeliever and a believer. He, he explained that clearly last week. And Peter begins by saying in verse 9, but you. In other words, this is their situation, but you. No. You are, verse 9, a chosen race. You are a, a, a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession. Think that through. Why? What is the reason you and I, as believers in Christ, are so blessed? There's a purpose in our life. Peter says, here's why. So that 
This is, let me get back here so you, you'll look at your book so you'll think I'm reading. I, I think I put it to memory. So that, he says, you and I might proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into light. This world in which we live right now, it's spinning out of control, basically. It's, it's not. God's completely in control. But it appears like so much is going on that it's, it's troublesome to know what's going on across this world in which we live. And not only across the world, but here in the United States. I mean, I just heard on the news this week, I, I don't know all of it, I don't listen that closely, but I heard some school district shut down Christmas. In other words, they're not going to call it Christmas anymore. They're just going to have them go on a... They're out of school for a while. <laughs> I don't know what it is. And Pardon me? Winter break, that's it. Winter break, I guess. What they're doing, just systematically, is trying to take Christ away from our society. Here's the beauty of that. The dimmer that they try to put that light, the brighter our light will shine. And you and I can proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into this wonderful, marvelous light of Christ. And so those who have objected Jesus Christ, Peter says, are destined to eternal destruction. He calls it doom. D-O-O-M. Peter calls believers, though, to a very specific cause. We are called out of this doom, out of this darkness, into this marvelous light, so that we could proclaim the excellencies of Christ. And to anyone and everyone who would listen and, and, and choose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sin, He will do the same with you to allow you to, to express the excellencies of Him to all who will listen. Now that's not a New Testament thought, by the way. It's, it's, it's Old Testament. It's New Testament. It's Bible Isaiah chapter 43 verse 21 states a very similar thought. God said through Isaiah, The people whom I formed for myself, says God, they will declare or proclaim my praise. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you and I are a chosen race of people. We are a spiritual people, chosen by God Himself who has called us out of darkness into His most marvelous light. And so in 1 Peter, Peter identifies those who believe in Christ as chosen. I want to talk about that word. Much like God long ago chose Israel, He had a special purpose for them in mind. They were to go and they were to bless all the nations. They were to to tell all the nations about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And for the most part, Israel failed miserably. They denied their Messiah. In the Old Testament, they called the Gentiles dogs. They didn't want to have anything to do with the Gentiles. They wouldn't even associate, wouldn't allow them into their homes. And they were the ones that God said, Go! And, and bless these people with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
So God has called you and me chosen. People who are out of darkness into God's most marvelous light. But there is a purpose in your life. There is a reason that He has given you this light. And that is to proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us. Let's not fail Him like Israel did in the Old Testament and deny their Messiah like so many have done. Peter again drew from, from the Old Testament to, to point out his truth that he was trying to proclaim. He used De- Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. It says in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, You are a holy people unto the Lord your God. And the Lord your God has chosen you, it says, to be a people for His own possession out of all the people who are on the face of this earth. And you can read verses uh, 7, 8, 9 if you wish on your own, but that's the, the crux of that message. God called Israel to be His chosen people. In the Old Testament, God chose Israel. In the New Testament, He has chosen the church. Believers in Jesus Christ to be the ones He has chosen to proclaim the excellencies of of Him who has called us out of darkness into light. There are two, in Scripture, there are but two elect groups who have been chosen by God. Nation Israel, the church, believers. And so when you and I say, I choose Jesus You need to know that the truth is that He has already chosen you. How wonderful is that? You've got to think that through. The Lord Jesus Christ said of His own apostles, You didn't choose Me, He said. This is in John 15, 16. He said, You didn't choose Me. I chose you, He said. Now He tells us why He chose them and us. He says, I appointed you so that you would go forth forth and bear fruit so that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name He may give to you. It is wonderful to know that we have all been chosen by God. I mean this not disrespectfully but if that is the truth which it is Peter tells us then we are God's responsibility. It's not our it's not our purpose to hold on to our salvation. He's responsible for you and me, which allows him to say in John chapter 6, verse 39, all that the Father has given to me, I lose nothing. He loses none of us. He is responsible for you and me. He has chosen you, and he will never, no, ever forsake you or lose you. You're his. You're His own possession. Now think with me for a moment. Why is that so important? What, what does that mean? Well, it does the very obvious. It, it takes away all pride that we have wrapped up in ourselves and it hands it over to whom it belongs, to our Lord. Jonah said, Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, Jonah says, salvation is from the Lord. Not me. It's from the Lord. But the better better place to really understand what what is being said here is in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 which most of you I think know or you you'll you'll kind of conjure up a memory of it when I started off 
It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, what? Not of yourself. It's not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's not a, a result of works. In other words, you can't earn your way there so that none of us would boast. See, we're His responsibility. Secondly, we're not only His responsibility, but His choice over you is eternal. It's unchangeable. Therefore, that idea that God chose you in me is the most strength-giving doctrine in all of the Bible. It gives all believers a genuine peace about their lives, no matter what the circumstances might say differently. In John chapter 14, verse 27, led Jesus Christ to say this, My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives do I give my peace. Therefore, he says, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let your heart be fearful. Why not troubled? Why not fearful? Because his responsibility is to care for you and me. His choice over you and me is eternal, giving us and granting us his forever peace. Thirdly, that ought to give you the surest hope of your faith because of his faithfulness, not yours or mine. You see, ultimately, your salvation is the surest hope that you and I possess. Nothing more sure. In this most sinful, most corrupt world in which you and I live today, God has given you peace. He is caring for you in the midst of what seems to be turmoil. Never forget this assurance of your faith, the security of who you are in Christ. Peter proclaimed in 1 Peter, the first chapter, verses 20 and 21. Let me just read it to you. Listen. He says, God, Jesus Christ, he says, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but he has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. In other words, for your sake. He showed up so that you might see or might be able to read about what was he like here on this earth. It goes on to say in verse 21, who through him, through Jesus, are believers in God, God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory. Why? So that your faith and your hope would be in him. That's the whole of, of the scripture. Not, not hoping in yourself, not, not trying to keep yourself above the water, but he'll do it. He'll care for you. He loves you that much. Your hope and your faith is not supposed to be in yourself. Your hope and your faith is in God because He has chosen you. Now, here's the sad part of teaching election or chosen. Some on that side of the fence will say that, well, therefore, God has chosen some for salvation and others... For damnation. That's not true. Scripture does not bear that out. I'm going to show you. I want to show you. The sad part of teaching chosen is that 1 Peter 2.8, where we read a little while ago, where it says 
they were disobedient to the word and to this doom they were appointed. In other words, they were going there. That's was the, they were appointed to go there. No, no. This doom they were appointed. Romans nine twenty two says, if if you do not listen to God, although unwilling, will, he is willing to demonstrate his wrath to make his power known. He says he, he he'll send vessels of wrath that is a place to that is prepared for destruction. And so some will read those verses and say, well, there, God seems to appoint some to a, a place of destruction. It's been prepared. Don't ever forget where hell and whom hell was prepared for. It wasn't prepared, prepared for you or me. It was prepared for Satan and the fallen angels. And then anyone and everyone who chooses to follow after them and, and reject what Jesus Christ asked of you for the forgiveness of sin, He will allow you to go to where you choose to go, and that's to be separated from Him. And there's only one place that He has appointed to do that. Not for human beings, for Satan and for His fallen angels. So don't forget who that place was prepared for, who it was appointed for. It wasn't appointed for human beings. However, when you look at something like that, chosen, the whole Bible must be put into context. You must try to look through everything that talks about salvation. And Scripture like John 3.16, you know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, not just a chosen few, but whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Listen to 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Timothy says, Paul really says to Timothy, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Note, God and our Savior who desires all men, not just a few, not just some chosen, all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Take 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9, for instance, the Lord's not slow about His promises, as some would count slowness. No, rather He is patient towards you and me, not wishing for any of us to perish, but for all of us to come to repentance. Oh, you can go on and on. Look, at Dr. McGee agrees. MacArthur does. Beggs does. All of these men put this all into some perspective. Now, there are some that say, yeah, I, I believe that, that God does all of it and, and anyone would be foolish not to believe that God does all of it because He's God. But I'm going to teach you right now that God has given you the light that you need to make a decision for Him or not. God does not choose some for salvation and others to damnation. But He does choose in Ephesians 1.4 it says, Just as He has chosen us, okay, there's that word again, before the foundations of this world, that you and I would be holy and blameless before Him. So He asks us to be holy and blameless. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined, in other words, chose to become conformed into the image of His Son. And so if you want to know what you and I have been chosen for, and that is to be holy and blameless before God and conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been chosen to do. You see, God gives 
all people all the light they need to respond to Him. But if they will not respond, then I believe that is when God eventually gives people a hardened heart who just will not respond. And when that happens and how that happens, I can tell you the truth. I do not know exactly. But I do know that God gives His light to everyone. I want you to see it firsthand. I want you to turn back where we studied some oh, months ago in Romans chapter 1. Would you please? Romans is to the left. And it's, if you'll go, you'll go past first in James and Hebrews and, and all of that. And, and, you know, you get 1st, 2nd Corinthians, then Romans. And if you've gotten to the book of Acts, you just went a little bit too far. Romans chapter 1. I want you to read with me verse 18. I want you to think this through. You know, I want to, while you're looking for that, and just hold Romans chapter 1, verse 18 for a moment. One of the most harrowing experiences I've ever, ever had in my lifetime was a, a family way, way back when, when I was still in high school and, and going to San Pedro High School and, and you know, go, go Pirates. You know. I was going to San Pedro High and, and I was real great friends with a, a, a family and, and the son and his, his dad was like one of us. Everywhere we went, Pop went. And he called me his number, number two son. His, his son was his son, and I was his number two son. And he went everywhere we went. And he, when we used to lay on the, on, in, in their house and watching TV, the Three Stooges on Saturday, he was right in the mix of us, laughing, rolling on the floor. Did you see that? You know, he was just one of the guys. His son, whom he loved more than life itself, became a pilot and flew his plane into a mountain and, and died. And Pop blamed God to the nth degree. He, he, he blamed God up and down. Later in my life, I became a believer in Jesus Christ. And, and Pop got really sick. He was dying of cancer. He was in hospice at his home. He was laid in the bed and he was barely conscious. And I went to see him. And I wanted to share Christ with Pop because I knew that he had completely rejected him. When I went in there, Mom, May, his, his wife, and his, sister, his daughter uh, said, we'll leave you alone with Pop for a while. And I said, okay, thanks. And I went up to him and I said, Papa, I said, I, uh, I want you to know how much I love you. And I started to tell him, and I started to tell him about Jesus Christ. And I mentioned the name Jesus Christ. And I have never, ever in my life heard a yell come out of anybody like that in my life. It actually put goosebumps on every part of my body. I was so frightened by that sound. He yelled so loud. He screamed, no, and yelled so loud that I thought, you know, I've only heard about people who said they've come into, you know, demon possession and stuff like that. I don't know what it was. I'll tell you this. So it made Mom, May, and, and, and her daughter come running out and said, what did you do to, to um, his name was Jim, what would you do to Jim? And I said, nothing. And I said, I just shared with him my faith. And she said, get the out of my house. I said, Mom, I didn't mean any of it. Get the out of my house and don't ever come back. I walked away from that. I went to the funeral uh, when he died shortly thereafter. And it was, it, was, it was as bad as you might imagine a secular funeral could be. There was no hope. There was nothing. 
this man had so rejected God for so long that when someone shared Christ with him, out of his most innermost being came a yell like I, I've never heard in my life. I, I never want to hear it again, to be honest with you. It scared me to death. Don't put off coming to Christ. Don't put off the light that you have. And I'm telling you that every single one of us have some light in us. Here's how I know. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. It says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who, note, suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, to suppress the truth, read it and think it through. That means you have to know some truth and you have to suppress it. You have to push it down. You have to push it away. Suppress the truth in righteousness. In unrighteousness. Note, verse 19. Because that which was known about God is evident within them. Note, for God made it evident. They had light, but they suppressed the light. Verse 20. Since the creation of this world, our God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been what? Clearly seen. There's a light that everyone gets from God being understood through what was made so that they are what? Without excuse. There's nobody that has an excuse. Nobody can go to God and say, well, that's not fair. You, you desired to send me to hell. I didn't know the truth. Oh, yes, you did. You have no excuse. Goes on to say in verse 21, even though they knew God. Listen, they knew Him. They didn't honor Him. They didn't give Him thanks. They became futile in their speculations. Their foolish hearts became darkened. I told you, Hearts will become darkened at one time or another. When it happens, I don't know. I beg of you, don't let that. If you're here investigating about Christ, don't keep pushing Him off. That's not a, that's not a, 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 a trying to make you scared. Maybe it is. I don't know what it is. But I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm trying to make you think. So that, verse 22, professing to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, crawling creatures. In other words, idols. They put up idols in their life instead of worshiping God. Therefore, verse 24, verse 26, and verse 28, it says, Therefore, God gave them over. He gave them over to their lusts, their sins, their way of life. They're rejecting Him. I want to finish with the, the last verse in chapter 1 of, of Romans. It says, And although they know, they know the ordinances of God, and they know those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do it, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them, practice uh, these things. They know the difference. Listen, I'm telling you people... God gives people light. Their refusing to believe or to trust in God left God with the only outcome possible, His appointed and promised judgment that was built for Satan 
and His fallen angels. The God of time, the God of history, knows for certain what you and I will do. But in that process of time in our lives, He allows us to accomplish our will. And then He affirms and recognizes the consequences of our choices. Let me give you the best example I know how. Some, I don't know how long ago, 85 or 6, I was asked, I was sitting, minding my own business in church, just like probably every one of you. And, 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 and they, your Belinda Friends Church, they called me out and they said, Pastor, Pastor Lamb is going to leave. We would love for you to be the pastor of our church. And I said, you guys are crazy. There's no way I will do that. And they kept asking me for three straight months, one after another would come. The, 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 they, they weren't called elders there. They were called, uh, I don't even know. They were called something else. And, and they came after me. Would you please consider it? to a place where I was praying with my wife and thinking about it, and I went to Chuck Swindoll. Now you know who talked me into this. And I said, I said, Pastor Chuck, what do I do? He says, you take that church and you preach Jesus Christ. I said, I don't feel qualified. He said, neither do I. I had a choice to make, just like you do just like everyone does with the light that we're given. I could have preached there, but that was really intimidating. What I really wanted to do was be in church. I wanted to be one of the guys who just watched and listened, took notes. Truth be told, I really didn't want to. What I really wanted to do was this. I wanted to bust through this door get in my car and never come back. It was intimidating to go to church. It was intimidating to understand and try to learn what is God doing in my life? What is, what is He trying to make me as, as a man? I have a choice to make. So do you. We all do. Which one are you going to follow? Which choice will you follow? God has given you light. God has given you the ability to make a decision here and now. What will you do with your life by the grace of God? I said, yes, I'll try. I'll try. That's all I can do is try. Best thing I had going for me was I was not afraid to fail. I wasn't. I didn't have anything to lose, I felt. Thought I'd just try. Over the long haul, I think I know why God allowed me to do this. You won't think this is right. You'll think I'm trying to be silly. I think He allowed me to do this so that it would encourage you that you too can do almost anything. If, if someone as, as, as dense as me can do this, there's no stopping any of you. You can do great and wonderful things for God. You have a choice to either allow God to love you forever and ever. Sorry. Or to be cast into a place that is an appointed doom, not for you. I'm talking to non-believers now. I'm not talking to us believers. 
place that was appointed only for Satan and his fallen angels, those who do not believe, which ought to give you and me, and there's where I broke up last night, I pray I don't, it ought to give you and me who believe in Jesus Christ the greatest sense of verses 9 and 10. Read them again now and listen. Read them and listen. Last night I read them like I would, like I was in my office studying, just just praying before God, and I was I became broken. That's happened before to me, but mostly only in private. Because the way I read Scripture, I did that last night, and I... I started to snot was all over the pulpit. I was just crying like you're crazy. Listen to these words. You, but you, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. Can you imagine? And the reason you are all this is so that you could proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His, into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people. But now you are a people of God. For once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Oh, folks. I'm sorry to cry like this. I want you to know how much I love you and how much I love the Lord and how much I want you and me to walk with Him. Oh, Father, what a great morning. Um, Would you bless us wherever we may be going from here? All of us go in different directions, but watch over each of us. And let this day, Father, be one that we remember that you have taken us out of darkness and allowed us to be in your most marvelous light. And you did that so that we would go and proclaim the excellencies of you to this world in which we live. That we would be a light that shines in the midst of some darkness. Bless us, please, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen.